Hunter Dickinson's big announcement on Tuesday was a non-announcement, but it does sound like the Michigan big man is down to four schools in the transfer portal. Portal, excuse me. Where would he fit best, and where do we think he's going to end up? We'll discuss right here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and I'm joined today by Leaf Tulin of the Locked On NBA Big Board and, of course, a regular contributor here at Locked On College Basketball. Leaf and I are going to continue our series of NBA draft declarations. We're going to talk about Grady Dick out of Kansas in the second segment. We're also going to take a look at the unicorn, Grant Nelson out of North Dakota State. He entered the transfer portal. Is he actually going to play college basketball next year? Is he going to go pro? We'll talk about that. We'll discuss Tyler Perry ending up at Kansas State and whether he can help replicate the success they had last year with Marquise Noel. But before we get to all of that, we have to lead with the man dominating the college basketball media landscape these days, Hunter Dickinson, who made an announcement on Tuesday that he was going to make an announcement regarding his college decision on a Barstool podcast with Marty Mush, and he didn't make an announcement. He basically said, I'm still deciding. I would like to figure this out soon. His, I'll read his direct quote here, actually. It says, I'd like to figure it out sooner rather than later because I can't deal with this anymore. It's exhausting, which... Like you're the one in charge, Hunter. Like you're the one, you're the one who can make that decision, who can move things forward. Obviously, there are some external factors, including Oscar Shibwe at Kentucky, and we're going to get into that. But one of the things that I suppose did come out of this podcast, it's not exactly revelationary, but it does sound like he is down to four programs, which does not include Georgetown. So it sounds like Ed Cooley is going to miss out here on adding Dickinson to his first roster with the Hoyas. But it sounds like Dickinson is choosing between Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, and Villanova. And Leaf, I want to, before we kind of get into each of these schools individually, I want to just kind of check in with you on, on where you're at with Hunter Dickinson right now and, and if there's a program that really stands out to you as, as an obvious fit or a, a more likely situation for him to end up in. Yeah, I, I mean, there's only so much we can monitor from the outside. And obviously, sure. you and I are both very plugged in and, and mm-hmm. tuned into like where he's going to go and and all the transfer portal, but there's only so much we can glean from just various announcements, uh, pictures of his visits. But for some reason at the very beginning of this process, I just had this weird feeling when, when he announced like the the whole list So not like the moment he entered portal, but when he announced the whole, you know, 20 schools plus that were courting Mm -hmm. him, I read through it very carefully. For some reason, I I have a group chat with a couple of my buddies Mm -hmm. and I thought that the two most logical of the 20 schools were, Kansas and Villanova mm-hmm. and they're both the final four yeah here so I'll give my rationale for both those Villanova is is somewhat close to his hometown mm-hmm. I mean he, he's a Maryland kid he went to DeMatha um, but he resents them for not mm-hmm. offering under Mark Turgeon and he's mm-hmm. been very vocal about that so I have a hard time believing that he'll actually go there specifically because the NIL, I don't think Maryland's got quite the money that the other schools do. Obviously, Kentucky has like Brinks trucks they could roll in for anyone. Yeah. Uh, Villanova has won multiple championships and is, is becoming a, a new blood, if not a blue blood. Mm-hmm. Kansas is a blue blood. And so I, I think that kind of eliminates them out of the top four. But I'll get to my Villanova point. 
Uh, the reason I thought they were more likely than, than even Kansas, and, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I'll put mm-hmm. out my logic here. I, I thought Villanova was the most likely because Dickinson wants to make the NBA as the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. And no school is really better at teaching fundamentals and parlaying that into successful NBA careers for guys that aren't superb athletes and making them learn the game and win at the college level. And that's what he's wanting to do. Like he wants to win, but he also wants to get better. So he, he'll have a more attractive draft stock. And I think Villanova is the best answer for that. Not to mention, I think you can make a significant amount of money in <laughs> Philadelphia. It's not like it's, it's like the criers of the poor. Right. Um, it's not as big a college basketball market as Kansas or Kentucky. It's still huge. It's still a big city. So that I've I've always kind of felt like that's where he'll end up, and I've maintained consistency on that uh, when discussing this with my friends. But who knows? I mean, he's kind of made this a dramatic thing, which mm-hmm. you know he's got every right to do. Like he's, yep. he's garnering interest for his own personal brand. That's wonderful. But uh, I, I mean, I just checked the 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 latest releases, but I don't really care anymore. But I, I, I think Villanova is going to be the answer. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's dragged it out to, to a point that I think people are getting a little disillusioned with it, but again, you're right. He has the, he has the right to continue to promote his brand and do what he wants to do. That's what NIL is, is for in a lot of ways. Um, speaking on Villanova, I mean, Kyle Neptune's first year last year, they didn't really have a lot of size. It'd be really interesting to see what, what Neptune and Nova could do with a, a traditional big. I mean, I think the biggest player in their rotation last year was Dixon and he's like six, eight, like they didn't have a bunch of depth in the front quarter, a bunch of size. They had talented players, but you know, they didn't play all that big. So I'd be really curious to see what kind of throwing somebody like Dickinson with his size uh, and his ability to score around the rim, just kind of what that would do to that offense, how Neptune would adjust. Uh, Cause I I'm with you. I think Nova really stands out to me as a, a it would be my preferred destination just from the, like the fun aspect of it. And I think it would be a cool, cool to see him do that and, and play, you know, closer to home and in the big East, I think it's a really intriguing for him, especially, I mean, you look at this Villanova team already adding TJ Bamba from Washington state. Uh, they add Hakeem Hart from Maryland, uh, really, really successful portal season, especially if they can land Dickinson. And, and that really stands out to me, but it's hard to ignore the, the Kansas element of it. I mean, Bill Self, he loves his big men. He loves back to the basket guys. KJ Adams, kind of the standout guy right there, uh, and he's about six seven. So certainly, adding a bigger player would 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 uh, be more what you're used to seeing from Bill Self. So I think those programs definitely stand out to me. Um, but there's also Kentucky, and there's the Oscar Shibway of this all. The the factor of Dickinson certainly doesn't want to go there. If Shibway is going to come back, uh, Shibway hasn't made an official decision yet. I think Shibway did effectively say, if you want to go get a guy, go get a guy, but it's still kind of a, a weird situation. Obviously Dickinson replacing Shibway would, I think would be really good for Kentucky, but I'm not sure if it's the best move for Dickinson. Where are you at with, with him potentially at Kentucky? See, Kentucky is an interesting one because they have like, I'm not saying this as in, like promises, but that's kind of the mm-hmm. word you hear when you hear recruiting. Mm-hmm. Every year when they take a top 10 recruit, you basically have the promise, hey, we're going to make you a first-round pick. Right. We're going to make you a lottery pick for some of them. And they've got the track record to back it up, especially with guards. The bigs, there has been success. You've got the Carl Anthony Towns, but you have just mm-hmm. as many misses for bigs yeah. that have gone to Kentucky with enormous potential. They've gotten to the NBA, but they haven't actually shined. Yeah. Um, it's different because those are a lot of times freshmen. Like an example would be Nerlens Noel, Scal Labissiere. Um, but then you have your Carl Anthony Towns. You've got your Willie Cauley Steins. 
-hmm. I could go on and on. But my point being, when you're an older player, you, you should get like deference from a team, especially with a guy like Dickinson, who's been an all American caliber player for the past mm -hmm. three years. And I wonder if the, the reason he, he doesn't want to go there or, or if he doesn't go there, this would mm -hmm. be the reason I would believe is because look, they've got a very good recruiting class with multiple guys that are projected to be lottery picks. And he thinks he should be the guy. And mm -hmm. all these guys think they should be the guy. And that causes a contentious room, talented, but contentious. And you've seen Kentucky have a few of those recently, and it hasn't panned out. I personally don't think John Calipari is as good a coach as many do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that would be problematic when you got a big personality and a guy who scored 18 a game over his college career, more or less. And now you've got the number one recruiting class in the country coming in, and you can't feed all those people. So right. I, I kind of think that Shibwe is a better fit because he's okay, he's content to just rebound, mm -hmm. not at, not entirely, but at least more so than Dickinson would be. Right. Um, and so I, I would lean my my hunch is that Dickinson will not end up in Lexington. However, Kentucky's got a lot a lot of money, yeah. And if money is important to Dickinson, which it appears to be mm -hmm. based off all his inclinations and, and his little hints, mm -hmm. I'm uh, I'm not ruling it out, but my brain tells me that's not going to happen. Well, Eve and I are going to continue our NBA draft declaration series. We're going to discuss Kansas one and done sharpshooting guard Grady Dick. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by Built Bar. And if you are looking for a delicious snack, but you do not want all of the sugar and calories, and if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so good that you will not think they are healthy for you. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. Then they have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club, and you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff, and if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, folks, I want to thank you all again for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen every day. And for you everyday listeners, thank you again. I We got a lot of more Transfer Portal stuff coming up this week. We're going to continue to talk about NBA draft declarations. Schedules are starting to come out. We got all sorts of fun stuff happening here in the college basketball landscape. So stick with us. If you want to become an everyday listener, just hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com, search Locked On College Basketball. We're just under a thousand subscribers. So help us get there. We would very much appreciate it. I leave. We have discussed Brandon Miller. We have discussed Keontae George, Anthony Black out of Arkansas, and Jarris Walker from Houston in our NBA Draft Declaration Series. These are all guys, of course, expected to go very high in the NBA Draft, a collection of lottery picks there. We're going to continue this series up until the NBA Draft, talking about players who are going to get drafted, where they might get drafted, their strengths, their weaknesses, et cetera, et cetera. Today, we want to talk about Grady Dick out of Kansas, another player that is in that lottery range, I think he's got a, a bit of a wider range than we've seen from some other guys, uh, was a tremendous, 
tremendous shooter last year. 40% from deep, 85% from the free throw line, averaged 14 points a game for the Jayhawks. Didn't do a ton else. And before we kind of get into the nitty gritty, I want to just get your kind of initial thoughts on his game and how you expect it to translate to the NBA. Yeah, and this is something that is different than college basketball. So for those of you who are diehard college basketball fans like myself, like Andy, like mm-hmm. Isaac, you, you can plug and play him. And mm-hmm. you'll be like, man, this guy can really shoot. He's a yeah. freshman. Imagine what he could do next year. But obviously you knew he was going to the NBA. NBA. And what's right. the NBA predicated around right now? It's shooting and it's height. And so in, in your mind, you might think, wow, like he's very well suited. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's necessarily impossible. But my the way I evaluate the draft mm-hmm. is typically predicated around uh, upside and ability to play in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. if I'm drafting, I want to, if I'm in the very top of the draft, I want someone that can transform my team because I was terrible to be that high in the draft <laughs> in order to make the playoffs shortly, make the playoffs mm-hmm. and be a mainstay contender. Mm-hmm. And you, you see a lot of teams swing for upside there and some are misses, but more often than not recently, because the years have gotten better mm-hmm. uh, or drafting has gotten better in the recent years, uh, then they've been able to do so. That's why Paolo Bancaro goes one because he's the most likely to be a star as opposed to a guy like Jabari Smith. And mm-hmm. this is something I was constant on last year when that was, and who knows, maybe I'll be wrong. But anyway, I, I say all that's to say this Grady Dick to me, doesn't move the needle at all uh, mm-hmm. as an NBA draft prospect, because his game's predicated around efficiency and taking easy shots. I know mm-hmm. threes are not necessarily easy shots, but they're, they're uncontested for the most part. He gets very good looks. He shoots it. Well, he's got a high release. Uh, he does it, but he doesn't really do it off movement. Like a guy like Jordan Hawkins of UConn or, or even Jet Howard, which is a skill set I value more for the NBA. That's why Duncan Robinson or, or Max yeah. Struess, for instance, are they he to become valuable. Uh, this is something that this is a purely college basketball comment for those of you who mm-hmm. enjoy this. He was the worst defender on his college team. That doesn't bode well for the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's something I think most draft analysts are glazing over because they don't love college basketball as much as I do, mm-hmm. as much as Andy does. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Kansas struggled, they typically were getting attacked against the freshmen. And I know that's fair, but the NBA is ruthless that way. Okay, yeah. last point here. Um, I think he's a top five shooter in this class. A lot of mm-hmm. people say he's the number one. I think he's the top five. So I'm not really going to get too crazy about that but there are too many deficiencies for me mm-hmm. like i see his high end outcome as being something like kevin herter well mm-hmm. if you watch the playoff series kevin herter got played off the court i know the warriors are a different type of team but he got played off the court as a the big time score you have to be able to play both ways in the nba kevin herter to me coming out of maryland was a better prospect than grady dick mm-hmm. I, as a freshman on a worse team but his shot profile was more impressive I also think in the NBA, he's developed a far more advanced dribble game that I don't necessarily foresee for Grady. Mm-hmm. And he looked to in the regular season as a fine defender on a bad defensive team, mm-hmm. but he was played off the court. Terrence Davis, Davion Mitchell, and and Malik Monk played mm-hmm. all the minutes that, that the Kings really wanted to play defensively. So to me, I see a, a real lack of upside I think maybe you can get him to be a fit. I think he's more like Corey Kispert mm-hmm. than he is Kevin Herter. And that's not really an offense to Corey Kispert. But if mm-hmm. you were drafting to, to move an eagle, you're not taking Corey Kispert. Right. And, and so he, I think based off the other four we've taken, they've been guys that can potentially move a needle. I don't see that at all for Grady Dick. 
Yeah, I, I, Corey Kispert, I think, is a really good good example. And Corey Kispert went, I think, 15th in his draft, yeah. just outside the lottery. We see Dick kind of in that general range. He's got a lot more, I think, pedigree and excitement around him than Kispert did. Of course, there's a significant age difference. Kispert was a senior when he came out. Grady is obviously going to be a freshman coming out, so that's why there's more excitement. But I, I agree, having watched – uh, you know, this any Kansas games as I was able to see this year, like you can see the appeal and you can see how some of the elements of his game would translate in the NBA. But I, you know, having watched the playoffs recently too, you're right. NBA teams are just going to go right at you. They're going to, they're going to force you to play one-on-one defense. And if you can't do it, it doesn't matter how many open shots you hit. It doesn't matter how many open looks you get. Like, you know, and I think for, for Grady too, like, how much is he moving the needle offensively if he's not getting those open looks? And, you know, Herter is a good example of that as well, of a guy who who developed a little bit more of an offensive game, but still struggled to, to play in the playoffs because of that. So I'm kind of with you on Dick. I think that there's a little bit more excitement around him than maybe there should be, not because he wasn't a very productive college player and not because he doesn't have a very obvious transferable skill to the NBA, but because you need more than that. And he can be a very specific role player at the next level. And players like, I mean, Corey Kispert in his last 10 games with Washington, he averaged like 18 points a game. Now the Wizards just kind of let him go because they they were struggling towards the end of the year, but you can be a productive scorer. But if you're not going to move, like, I think you're, you're spot on by the moving a needle conversation. So looking at this entire draft class, uh, and I don't know how many, how many mocks or how many big boards you've fully done yet leaf, but where would you kind of slot him in? Because I think we've seen him as high as like around the top 10. We see him kind of in that lottery conversation. Are you a little lower on him than that? Are you, would, where would you take him if you were an NBA general manager? Obviously knowing that every team is a little bit different. Yeah. So I, I made a big board um, on April 30th. So this is my latest mm-hmm. one just a couple days ago. And I've got Grady Dick at number 19 right now. Mm-hmm. And that's about as low as I've seen anyone have yeah, them. Pretty low. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 it sounds like you know, oh man, I want to be trendy. But the more I watch him, mm-hmm. the and then I watch the playoffs, and it's actually it's funny. I haven't watched any Kansas games since the end of the year. But mm-hmm. Andy can attest to this. Like we've discussed Kansas games off the air. Yeah. It, I mean, Kansas is always on the TV. I probably watched 23, 24 yeah. of their games yeah. without like trying to scout Grady Dick just, just mm-hmm. as a college basketball fan. So I feel like I've got a really good grasp on that. But then I watched the NBA playoffs. And who's the best archetype for like a guy who is a really good shooter in the NBA that could develop? That's probably Michael Corder Jr. Like mm-hmm. based off what he's drafted, you know, who's getting benched in, in favor of Bruce Brown, in favor mm-hmm. of Contavious Caldwell Pope? It's Michael mm-hmm. Porter Jr. So yeah. the more I watch this, the guys who are one dimensional and have one defined trait, I think really are getting hurt in the modern NBA. So the more I watch the playoffs and I was already relatively low on Grady Dick, uh, it's it's hurting his case to, you know, regain some stock despite impressive shooting. Like as I get back into some film watching, mm-hmm. I know he can shoot like that's not going to mm-hmm. change anything for me because there are guys that I think are better shooters coming out than he's been that mm-hmm. hardly play in the playoffs. So. Uh, I, I think that's really the, the thing is he'll be probably the worst defender in your lineup, whatever lineup he's playing. Mm-hmm. And you, you're hoping for 40 plus percent shooting early on and cutting and whatnot. And then he can't play in the playoffs. And that to me isn't worth a lottery pick, despite just about every mock and big board I've ever seen having him eight through 14. Well, and, and what about like, I mean, 
he's 19. Obviously, there are ways to improve. And I think that one of the things that you're kind of getting at is is the difficulties of improving defensively just from like an athletic standpoint. Like, I, I mean, I, I think when you talk about ways that players can improve when they get in the NBA, like outside shooting is, is often something we see players get better at because you're now in the NBA. You just you don't have classes to go to. You don't have anything else to worry about. You can work on your shooting. But defensive deficiencies are are a bit more difficult just because a lot of them are, I mean, some, sometimes it's schematic and sometimes being in a different scheme might help and maybe being in the NBA with more spacing will help Grady Dick. But I kind of think it's, it's potentially going to be the opposite there just because I think for him it's it's some athletic deficiencies of just, is he quick enough? And, and once we get to the combine and we get some testing, I think that'll help us kind of clear that up a little bit more. But uh, is there... Is, is this something where you feel like this is kind of just going to be an area of weakness for Grady Dick kind of regardless, or is there some optimism that maybe he can improve in some of those areas and, and be a more well-rounded player? I'll say both there, because sure. I think as soon as you enter the NBA, these guys get way, way better. And, sure. and I don't have any doubts about his work ethic. I think he's going to get better, mm-hmm. but it's so much easier to become a better shooter than it is to become a better athlete. Mm-hmm. And Grady Dick is a, is a good run and jump athlete. So like, mm-hmm. I think his drills will, mm-hmm. will be pretty good. Like if you were to do a combine, sure. I, I know it's called the NBA combine. I'm actually attending. I'm really mm-hmm. excited for that. Oh, good. But cool. I, it's not like the NFL combine where like when you run a 40, it's like, Oh my God, that just moved him up from the third round to the right. first round. Right. Like for him, he's going to test fairly well in sprinting. He's going to test fairly well in jumping. He'll shoot mm-hmm. well, but you watch him play basketball and mm-hmm. defensively, he's the one who's getting attacked for Kansas and offensively. Yeah. He won dribble pull-ups beautifully, but as soon as he makes another dribble, like I know his rim percentages and I had them here uh, mm-hmm. are pretty good, mm-hmm. but you watch him play like against a TCU or something mm-hmm. and who's a relatively athletic team in the big right. 12 and he, he couldn't dribble. Yeah. And to me that'll improve, but it's only so much you can improve when you're playing significantly better basketball teams mm-hmm. and significantly better ba- athletes everywhere on the court. So to me, he'll be a, underwhelming athlete in the NBA and that's no offense to him it's just that sure. that's how crazy you know the league athletically it is so mm-hmm. I think the best thing he can do is just become an unbelievable shooter to the point where you play him because like the team has to bend their defense around right. and I don't know if he's quite there yet but he's got at least got the capacity for that I just worry about defense and mm-hmm. what else does he bring other than shooting because mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to do much with the ball and yeah I've there's there's a fan and if he listens to this he'll know who he is who <laughs> tells me he's Clay Thompson? He's like, he doesn't need to dribble. Well, I don't know if you know how rare Clay Thompson is because yeah. he's the second best shooter ever. Yeah. He's also he's elite also, defensively. In his prime, a phenomenal defender. Yeah. So I am i don't think that those are realistic comparisons for those mm-hmm. of you who've thrown a couple of those type of things at me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know this may get some pushback from Kansas fans, and I liked Kansas this year. I really mm-hmm. did. But it's just I'm trying to be realistic, and I, I kind of think the way the NBA is trending, this is more likely than not. Well, we got another NBA draft prospect to discuss in the final segment here, a unicorn in Grant Nelson out of North Dakota State. He entered the transfer portal. He's still in the NBA draft, pro- draft process. Where is he going to go? We're going to discuss all of that right after this. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton here, Locked On College Basketball, joined by Leaf Tulene, our regular guest and a contributor to the Locked On NBA Big Board. Talked about Grady Dick there and his NBA draft aspirations, and I want to talk about another 
NBA draft prospect who is also now a transfer portal prospect, a guy who had a went viral with a, a video in like I think it was December or so, the middle of the college basketball season, when all of a sudden everybody had heard of Grant Nelson. He was the talk of the town because of this highlight video that came out of him just doing incredible things at North Dakota State. He had some immediately got tossed some Chet Holmgren comps, which is not a comp that you should throw around particularly lightly. Uh, he's 6'11 big, uh, good shooter, although a bit of an inconsistent shooter, which we'll, we'll kind of touch on a little bit. A rim protector can handle the basketball, all those things that you kind of want out of a center, the, the, the things that we label as a unicorn. And he entered the NBA draft process a long time ago. He's remained kind of staunchly indicated that he's his first and foremost goal is to be an NBA draft pick. He's going to get invited to the combine and he's going to get a chance to, to kind of prove himself there. But uh, he also entered the NBA draft portal or excuse me, the transfer portal. And after, in the port, after entering the portal within 24 hours, the list of schools that he had heard from, it would be easier to just tell you which schools he has not heard from effectively because it is a laundry list of the bluest blue bloods. Kentucky's on there. Kansas is on there. Gonzaga, Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Houston, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, your favorite team is probably on the list <laughs> in trying to get Grant Nelson. But before we talk about some team fits, uh, Leif, I want to know how much you've seen of him and, and kind of where you think his NBA draft aspirations are because guys don't get drafted out of the summit league all that often, but Nelson's a, he's a different breed. He's a, he's, he's got a lot going for him. Yeah. I've seen him a little bit, not as much as uh, some of the other guys that I've evaluated for the draft, just out mm -hmm. of watching college basketball, they're more sure. readily available. Um, Grant Nelson, for those of you who don't know, is, is big. He handles the ball. He's mm -hmm. athletic and he looks unlike anyone else in the summit league. Yeah, And uh, because of that, I think the NBA Draft Combine invite is warranted. Mm -hmm. As for where I've got him, I've got him in my late second round. I haven't really ironed down where I have sure. everyone in the second round. I've kind of got first round and second round grades. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to believe that someone that arrived that late to the scene, whether yeah. fairly or not, is going to take over the Combine because he's just played less of the type of players um, that you'll see in the NBA Combine than mm -hmm. the others that played. So, but I do think his, in, like, like you read off at the top, and I think mm -hmm. it's a really important point, that his indications are he'd rather go to the NBA yeah. than transfer and stay in college basketball. While there mm -hmm. is NIL money, I think he's he'd rather try to carve out a role in the NBA than, say, go to a, a blue blood and become a regular contributor, but not the star. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think he necessarily become one. Um, so, I think he'll listen to the feedback, but I do think he tries to stay stick it out in the draft. Yeah, and I'm wondering whether that's a good idea. And obviously, it's going to depend on how the combine goes and stuff like that. But like the jump from the Summit League to the NBA is big. Like, there's no debate. The jump from college to the NBA is big, regardless of where you played in college. But it is different if you're jumping from the SEC or the ACC or any of the Power Five conferences, as opposed to jumping from the Summit League. And when you look at Nelson's kind of perceived skill sets. I think you really need to see those skill sets against a different level of competition. I mean, for me, like one of his biggest kind of draws, I think, is the rim protection. He blocked one and a half or 1.7 blocks per game last year. How is that going to translate? Like if he goes to the SEC and that shot blocking kind of disappears, that's going to be a concern for NBA scouts. And maybe that's part of the reason he doesn't want to do that. Maybe he thinks it's it's better to go to the NBA. Um, and then the three-point shooting, like – we talk about him being a, whole, uh, a unicorn. We talk about the home grin element of it. He takes a lot of threes. I think he's got a good looking shot. But if we're being honest, the numbers as an outside shooter are not great. He shot 27% last year. 
I mean, that, that's, that is not Chet Holmgren. <laughs> if we're being honest, that, I mean, you, you got to be more efficient than that from beyond the arc. He's a career 31% shooter. I believe wholeheartedly that he is a better three-point shooter than 27%. And I think if he were to go to, uh, let's say, Arkansas, because that is the school that has been most connected to him so far, uh, you go somewhere like that, you go in the SEC, you're no longer the, you know, the opposing team's number one thing that they're trying to stop on the scouting report. Like you have a little bit more freedom. Uh, Arkansas is maybe a bad example because their floor spacing is just horrendous. But if you go to a school where you have some more space and you have some more ability to hit open threes, I think he's going to be a better three-point shooter. And I think that skill could be something that shows up and, and entices NBA scouts, but it's not really there right now. And so I, I would have, having seen much less of him than NBA scouts certainly will have seen of him, I would be a little bit hesitant to know if the skills that he has shown are going to translate or not. Uh, and I think going to a Power 5 program might help him showcase some of those skills, but there's obviously the concern it could expose him as well. Yeah, I think that's well well put. I think, I don't necessarily think he's trying to hide from playing college basketball again. Mm-hmm. I just think he believes he's good enough to move mm-hmm. on and then there's that in the back of the mind. It's like, well, if I show it well for a two-day period yeah. at the NBA Combine against other guys here, man, mm-hmm. I get drafted. Whereas if right. you go back to school and you're not particularly good, you mm-hmm. probably are off the radar as you get older too. Right. Um, so I'll be curious. Like I said, I'll be there live. So I'm very curious to see him play. I, I really am curious to see what type of players play like because mm-hmm. obviously you know the lottery guys probably won't like Jalen sure. Williams played last year but he wasn't anticipated to be a lottery guy right so I wonder if a guy like him who had the ball in his hands more frequently and now takes a lesser role mm-hmm. will thrive or will it be weird because now he's like oh shoot what do I do oh, I'm gonna force one up and he's just out of rhythm right. so I think a guy like him there's others that could come to mind but for instance a guy like who's playing at North Dakota State and everything's ran through you mm-hmm. and now you're playing in with other NBA caliber athletes. I wonder if that adjustment's going to be difficult or easy. And that'll tell me how good of a prospect he is, how seriously draft scouts will have to take him mm-hmm. because at no point was there any, any competition that was close to this level. So he's one of the more fascinating studies. Well, Leif, that was fantastic today. Thank you so much, as always, for your expertise, your insight into the NBA draft. I'm very excited that you are going to get an opportunity to go to the Combine. We're very looking forward to having your insight after that as well. Uh, For those of you listening to the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. If you have not done so yet, follow us on Twitter at AndyPattonCBB, at LeafToLean on Twitter as well. Uh, Thank you all for listening. We'll be back later this week with more Transfer Portal updates, more as we continue to see what's going to reshape college basketball for next season. Thank you all for listening and peace out.